Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Sipping Oreo Tea Podcast. I am your host, Reese, and I'm back, bitches. Um, <laughs> it's been, what, a year, maybe? I'm not even sure how, how long it has been since I did an episode of this podcast. Um, but we were in a pandemic, we are still in a pandemic right now, the never-ending pandemic. Um, Harry and Meghan have left the royal family. They are having another baby, and they did an interview, and that's why I'm back. I mean, of course that's why I'm back. Like, come on, you guys. Uh, I thought long and hard about whether I was going to do an episode um, about that interview, but I was like, you know what? The people want to know my opinion. <laughs> you probably don't. Um, nobody cares about my opinion. If you're still subscribed to this podcast, um, I thank you very much. Um, if you're just picking up on this podcast, um, welcome, I guess. I can't promise that I'm going to do a regular schedule, but I had to come back for this episode. Um, because, wow. Wow, you guys. Um I'm recording this on Saturday night, the Saturday after the interview. So it's been six days since the interview, and it is still in pretty high rotation on all of the news channels. Um, you know, they're all doing segments on it um, pretty much every day. Like even CNN is still doing segments on it. Um, I know the, um, there was a Don Lemon did something about it like the other day. Like this is a big deal. I know um, right after it happened, like <clears throat> maybe a few hours or the day after the interview, some people were trying to say, you know, this will just, you know, this this interview will disappear from history. It was unimportant. Harry and Meghan were just whining, you know, two rich people whining, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, the interview actually sparked something in the UK. Like, obviously, I don't live over there, so I don't know the full extent of it, but um, black, uh, journalists, uh, have started speaking up about how the racism, um, that they've experienced and how <clears throat> the coverage of Megan was racist and xenophobic. Um, parliament once again has, um, raised the issue of the way Megan was treated and the, 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 the media in the UK. So, um, Yeah. I mean, who knows how far this is going to go, how much this is going to stick around um, long term. But in the short term, the Megan and Harry speaking up about the racism that that she faced um, is certainly lit a match under somebody and they are they're going with it. And it's 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 exposing what like if you if you've been a part of the royal fandom and you've been paying attention to the reception that Megan has gotten in the media over there um and online <clears throat> then i mean obviously you know how how like racist it all was how racist and xenophobic and misogynistic and every wrong thing that you can think of how bad it was but i think finally a larger uh, 
audience has been exposed to what's going on in the UK. And they're the and the people of um <laughs> British people and their complete inability to deal with racism. Um, just like falling apart at just the mere suggestion that something racist happened, you know, um, just you white, you see white people on TV speaking over black people. Um, uh, who's the dickwad? Um, Pierce Morgan, Pierce Morgan got up and walked off of his show because a biracial man dared to say, um, what he was saying about Megan was wrong. He didn't even call, oh, he didn't call him racist. He didn't even suggest that he was racist. He just said, you know, what you're doing is like uncomfortable. It's the way he was attacking Megan was just really uncomfortable. Like he was, it's the most polite takedown that you will ever see. And Pierce Morgan got up and walked out like, you know, the childish, dickhead that he is and obviously I know Piers Morgan is you know he's there for the show he's their version of like a Bill O'Reilly or something like that he says the most um Bill O'Reilly or Rush Limbaugh maybe is a better um a better example of like who he the equivalent of who he is over there um but you know, and a, a lot of what he does is for show. I'm not even sure how much of how much of um, how much he believes what he he says, but it doesn't even matter because what he says is really harmful. And and he's been attacking Megan for about two two years or so. Um, people are finally looking into that. You know, his claims that he and Megan were close friends and. Um, he, he put himself on the level of her family and claims that she ghosted him. And it's like, no, what he's doing, like just <sighs> racism aside, you know, you can argue about whether Piers Morgan was racist um, about in his coverage of Megan with whoever you want. His coverage was creepy. It was scary. It was stalkerish. Um, and, the fact that it took this, this moment, her interview and him calling her a liar when she talked about her suicidal ideations, it's like, no, we should have been doing this a long time ago because it's not even, it's the fact that he went on TV sometimes almost every day um, for a while to trash her. Then he was also writing articles in the daily mail um about her it was scary um and it, it's like nobody's taking that into account i'm sorry i'm going off on this um before i get into the interview but it's like no what piers morgan was doing was harassment and it was scary and he got to use his huge platform to harass this woman because she didn't invite him to her wedding because he thought he deserved a wedding invitation i don't like, and we just sort of sat here and allowed him to do it because he said that she ghosted him. Um, and it's like, what the hell? Seriously. Like, he can have whatever opinion of Megan that he, he wants. He obviously was very, 
like this is a man that has been married for 10 years. Um, he met Megan in 2016. So he was married at the time. The, he, he never, even when he was talking about her back then, he never even suggests, he never hints that she was looking for a romantic relationship with him. So everything that, that, that happened to, um, between them was just friendly interaction. You know, they met in person one time. They had a Twitter relationship. They had a Twitter, you know, friendship. She DM'd a, another celebrity when she found out that he watched the show. Um, I'm guessing she was just networking and doing a little bit of promotion for her show since it's so popular in the UK. Nothing sinister or weird about it. Um, celebrities who don't really know each other talk on Twitter or on social media all the time. It's not a big deal. But he was able to turn it into something. And it's like everybody just sat around for the last, what, three years and let him do it. And it took him, you know, it took this moment to finally get people to start looking into what he was doing. And it's like, really? <sighs> that just, it pissed me off. I don't, you know, and it's like he was, he, he's the one who constantly had her father on the show um, so that her father could gaslight her as well. Um, her father is pure human garbage. Um, and yeah, he's garbage. I'm not going to talk a lot about him in this episode, but her father, uh, Thomas Markle is garbage. Um, and he deserves exactly what he has right now, which is zero relationship with Megan, never have, having, um, met Harry or, um, Archie and, <clears throat> basically depending on <laughs> the um the british media to keep continue to pay him for interviews so that um you know so he can stay relevant and keep trying to make money off of megan's name and it's like you could have had it all but you chose to do this and so he deserves what he gets and i'm not talking about the half sister at all she doesn't deserve to be spoken of um, so yeah, I'm done with the peers of it all, that dickhead. Um, the interview. Okay, you guys. <clears throat> mm. I'm sorry, I'm drinking. I'm like addicted to this Califia Farms iced coffee, iced mocha. It's really good. And it's on sale. It's on sale at Whole Foods. Like, come on. Nothing is ever on sale at Whole Foods. Or like, <laughs> when things are on sale at Whole Foods, it's like, um it's ten dollars now it's 9.98 um anyway so this was like half off it, you don't care about this the interview i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry um <laughs> it's been a long time i'm excited <clears throat> and i'm drinking coffee um so the interview i can tell you that i, I just going back to the to that night when i'm, I'm watching and i'm sitting on twitter <clears throat> and you know tweeting and just laughing at all of the the jokes that everybody's making um, it was just so tense. That's the biggest thing to me, how tense everything was. I'm just, well, I don't know how tense everybody else was. But I know I was super tense. I was, I was just, I couldn't even lay down and watch the interview. I was like sitting on the edge of my bed, looking at my phone and my iPad, tweeting and just reading everything that everybody else was tweeting out. And when the interview was over at 10 o'clock, I couldn't sleep. 
I could not rest after that interview. I was just so keyed up. Um, I didn't fall asleep that night until around 1.30 in the morning. That's how just, that's just how, like, ugh, that's just how, it, I just, I couldn't sleep and I couldn't relax. Um, the interview has just really stuck with me. Um, I've watched it a couple of times. I've listened to it. <laughs> to it on Spotify um a couple times because it's like somebody put it up um on Spotify as like a podcast form so you can just listen to it um which I think might might be better because there's no distractions I'm not like distracted by like oh Megan looks Megan's eyes look so pretty her eye makeup was like really great and um Oprah <laughs> Oprah's um, microphone matches her sweater. Wow. Um, so I was get, like getting distracted by stuff like that um, and getting distracted by the Oprah meme. So listening to it in podcast form um, <laughs> made me play, uh, pay like a little bit closer attention. And yeah, so <clears throat> that was good. Anyway, so <sighs> my initial thoughts of just the interview overall is that no, there was no, I was not really shocked by anything. Um, well, two, two things were like really wild to me. The, the question about Archie's, um, skin color and Megan's, um, admission that she was suicidal when she was pregnant. Um, those were like the two biggest things for me everything else was like yeah if you've been paying attention to what's been happening the last few years with the Sussexes then it's not surprising what was happening I mean we could all see it um I mean basically what they were doing <clears throat> in the interview was confirming and giving details about what we all knew was happening behind the scenes um and and it was clear that they were holding a lot of stuff back. So um, the way they were like carefully choosing their words, um, it's like, yeah, they said a lot, but they could have said so much more. And um, Oprah says it was a two hour interview, <clears throat> two hours that were aired. And then she aired some um, clips the next day. But she said they, they sat for like four hours or something like that. So there's a whole other interview um, available, I guess, if Oprah decides that she's going to release it later. I mean, I would watch I would watch the director's cut of that interview um, a whole like, yeah, a whole four hours. I would watch a whole four hours of whatever they were talking about. Um, so, yeah. Um. Yeah, so not shocked. I was just sad. Sad when Megan started. When you, when I think back to how excited um, Megan and Harry were when they did their engagement interview and how, you know, Megan said that she went in and she was telling them, you know, emailing everybody and calling everybody. She was just, the, she was the dork that was like really excited for her new job and was just, you know, couldn't wait to start and, 
um, was telling them, you know, use. She was saying that she was telling them to use me, and you know, whichever way you want. I'm, you know, I'm ready. I, I you know, I want to do this. So to see how excited she was in 2018, you know, just like back in 2018 when this happened, when they got married to 2020, where they're leaving the family, she's depressed and suicidal and it's like wow you like how do you how do does how do you allow a person to be beat down that much a person who was excited to be a part of the family and to work with them and to help make them look better um and that's all that family is about the optics they want to look good they want to be relevant um so to basically kick her until she decides that she can't take it anymore, um, just it just it boggles the mind that a family that's so concerned with optics couldn't see that she was an asset to them. Um, and the other thing is how little the British royal family has changed in the last, what, 30, 40 years since Diana joined the family. Um, just, you would think since all of the principal players, except for Diana, is still there, um, you know, the Queen, Philip, Charles, Camilla, Harry, William, all of these people who were there, who saw what Diana went through, who lived through it, all of those principal people are still there and nobody learned a damn thing. They didn't change at all. And I sort of feel like they, Diana died and they got all that bad press, but then William and Harry were there and they became the hope for the family. They became what, you know, the good PR that everything was resting on. <clears throat> and so that gave the family an out. That gave them the ability to sort of ignore all of the, just all of the lessons that they should have learned from what happened with Diana Um her sons were sort of her sons were there to shield them and they decided it would be a good idea to not change at all to just you know to let William and Harry be stand in front of them to to shield them from any <clears throat> to shield them from the, the the rest of the criticism to help them repair their image and then just continue to be the stale and outdated institution that they are and it's like it's so sad and I mean not sad for the royal family because who gives a fuck about them uh sad for sad for Megan sad for Harry sad for Harry because it's so obvious how much how much faith Harry had in his family. Like we can criticize him for that. Um, 
obviously Harry is not Harry knows all the behind the scenes stuff. He he has himself um, been thrown under the bus um, in the past when he was younger in order to help his father repair his reputation. Um, you know, the whole Harry going to rehab, Harry being caught smoking. I think he got caught smoking weed. And, you know, Charles does this performative thing where he takes him to a rehab center or something like that. I forget all the details, but you know what I'm saying? Like Harry has been used in the past, um, in order to help his father repair his, you know, his public image. Um, but it seems like, (sighs) In spite of all that, Harry still had this baseline trust that there was some love, some real love um, in his family, and they actually cared about him. And it turns out, not so much. Um, It's institution first. Protect the crown first. And Harry... (sighs) Harry found out. And it's, it's... It's really sad to find out that way to find out that you're you're not as important to your family as you thought they you were um you know i know a lot of people well i don't know a lot but i do i do know that some people were disappointed with how he was still trying to shield his family from um criticism you know when he went through that whole part about saying Charles and William are trapped. And while I understood what he was saying, like, obviously these are all people born into that institution. Um, you know, they don't know any other life. None of them know another life, another way to live. So they just keep on going around that wheel. So I get what he was saying about how they're trapped by that life but I mean yeah it was just if there's not going to be a lot of sympathy for for Charles in particular Prince William maybe um he's still Diana's son and so I think there's still goodwill for him out there with some people um but yeah Charles is the one that's going to suffer the most from this and he's going to he's getting everything that he deserves right now because oh he was just he's just such trash I'm just so mad because I'm the royal family is there to be fake and to pretend and the fact that they couldn't pretend like they accepted Megan they couldn't even pretend. It's like, come on. That's your only job. That's what you're there to do. You know, you're there to pretend you care about all of these uh, philanthropic causes that you um, <laughs> that you bring <clears throat> that you bring attention to. Um, you're there to pretend. You're just you're there to be a. F- <laughs> you're there. You you're there to basically be an actor. Um, so act like you support Megan, act like you support Harry, act like you're welcoming this black woman into the family. Um, and it's like, they didn't even try. That's the, that's the, the crazy part to me. It's like, they didn't even try to pretend that they were going to be supportive. Um, 
Harry and Meghan said that initially the family was supportive. Initially, when Meghan first um, came into the family, they were supportive. But then everything is <laughs> everything seems to have fallen apart fairly quickly, though. You know, six months after the wedding is when the story about uh, Megan making Kate cry came out. And then everything just was like steadily downhill from there. Um, and I'm seeing people don't get that. People don't get why Megan brought up the whole Kate thing. I saw people saying that she threw Kate under the bus. Um, I was listening to Tom and Lorenzo and they think that Megan was doing like this catty thing of, you know, throwing Kate under the bus and, and getting it out there that, uh, Kate was actually the one that made Megan cry. And I'm like, I didn't see it that way at all. It feels like people don't get it. And mostly white people that I hear talking about this, they don't get it. <clears throat> they don't get why that little story was such a big deal. And it's like, that little story of Megan making Kate cry is still something that ends up um, in other stories shitting on Megan to this day. Um, the story of Megan making Kate cry is sort of the foundation of the character assassination of Megan. Um, it's the first time where Megan is called is basically called a bully and um, <clears throat> not only is she like aggressive and mean and bossy, she made her postpartum sister-in-law, Kate, who had just given birth, um, to Louie, um, or may, I don't know whether, whether during that, um, that dress fitting, whether she would be, whether she had just given birth to Louie or whether she was like still heavily pregnant with him. Um, whichever it was, she was either pregnant or had just given birth to a baby. So Megan was so, you know, mean and aggressive that she made this, <clears throat> she made that woman cry. And it's like, yeah, that was the start of it all. You know, Megan called that the turning point. And it's like, yeah, hell yeah, that was the turning point. That's the foundation. That's where every, all of this began. Um, and it came out what six or seven months after um the wedding which was right after the Australian tour which was also a turning point for them um I mean there's no doubt like if you just I'm trying to I'm trying I want to say this the right way um there's no doubt in my mind back then when we when all of this all of the negative stories started coming out about Megan um there was no doubt about in my mind that certain people in the palace were not happy with the the level of popularity of the Sussexes and particularly Megan the biggest problem was that Megan was get Harry has al always been very popular um, I mean, maybe not anymore, but I do think there, th Harry still has like a huge level of popularity probably over there um, in England because he's Diana's son and I don't know, they, whatever, they love him. Um, they're not, <laughs> they're probably not very happy with him after he, you know, married a, a black woman and left the country. But, 
uh, if he decided to abandon them and come back, I think it wouldn't be long before he was like really embraced by the people again that you know he would be the people's prince and everybody would love him once again anyway so megan's popularity during that australia tour um and leading up to it like the fact that she first of all she's so beautiful um and she showed that she was good at the job um with ease she showed she she's she sort of stepped into that job with ease you know the fact that she's a great public speaker already um better than everybody in the royal family and then i mean every single one of them um just you know she's she's good at she's she's also good at speaking off the cuff um, you know, she can stand up in front of a group of people and just talk for, you know, five or 10 minutes um, without notes and have it be very compelling and still and be, you know, really well spoken and just <clears throat> she can she can command an audience. So having her do that Australia tour be so great at it where she I think that's the first time she gave um is that the first time she gave a speech like publicly? I can't remember. I think it is. Though. I think the Australia tour is when she, the first time she gave um, a speech and, and that's the only Australia tour is when we found out that Megan was writing her own speeches, um, which there was an undercurrent of what the fuck is this bitch doing in the media um, <laughs> at that time? Because, somebody was not happy that Megan was writing her own speeches. Um, and so, um, I knew it was going to be a problem with how popular they were because they basically got the kind of reception that the, um, the prince and princess of Wales are supposed to get, you know, they, they got the kind of reception that a future king or queen is supposed to get, and also during that time, if you watch um, the interviews with members of the, the British press, of the, you know, the people that were on the tour with them, the Royal Rota, you can also get the undercurrent of the, the something coming from maybe, maybe it's from the palace, maybe it's just certain little people around that Meghan and Harry aren't that important their popularity will die down soon. Um, you like Robert Jobson says word for word like that sentence. He was doing some Australian TV shows um, at the time, um, Australian morning shows and all that. And he he made it a point to say a few times, Harry and Meg, the, their popularity will die down soon. This is really cute. This is nice, but they're pop. They won't stay this you know popular forever. And that was while they were on tour. Then they get back. The story about Megan making Kate cry comes out. And then it's just like steady stories about, you know, trickling in about just how horrible Megan is, how bossy she is, how the staff is quitting. So this is all happening at that time. So there's no doubt that somebody, um, I don't know whether it was Kensington Palace or uh, Clarence House, whether they were jealous or whether they just didn't like 
the fact that people who weren't and aren't in the direct line to the throne, who aren't, who are never going to be king, are more popular than people who are higher up in the line of succession than them and who who they think should be more popular. Um, And it's like they still haven't realized that you can't make people like you just because you're just because you're higher up in the, in the line of succession. Like Charles cannot make people like him um, just because he's going to be king one day. And it's like, yeah, deal with it. You don't have that personality. And William and Kate don't have that personality either. Sorry. I mean, you know, when William was younger, he, he was good looking and he had all of his hair and he was blonde and blue eyed and he looked like his mother. So, you know, he was the, he was everybody's crush at that time. I have to say, but, uh, that I, uh, was not into William. Mm. So I knew I had my, I like, like I, I knew I had did that sniff test. Was like, Nope, he's trash. He's trash in the making. Um, so I would just like to say I knew, um, I like that to be on the record that I knew anyway. So, but William doesn't have a great personality. I mean, sorry. (laughs) And Kate, Kate is very demure. Um, she's quiet. Uh, and part of the thing that se- that people love to say about her is that she doesn't mind, um, she doesn't mind being behind William. She doesn't. She's she's not there to try to outshine him, or, and she doesn't have the personality that that would outshine him. So she's like she's sort of the per the perfect partner for him. Um. And so with Harry and Meghan, you have Harry who already had, who's already considered the, the most interesting person in the royal family, the, the person with the most personality. Um, and then he marries Meghan, someone who outshines him, but he doesn't mind it. You know, he's happy to push Meghan to the forefront. And I think that's another problem that people had. The fact that Harry didn't mind how popular Meghan was. The fact that he he wanted to encourage that. He didn't mind that she was the one speaking for them. Um, you know, and people try to use that to emasculate him now, you know, to say that Meghan is basically leading Harry around by the nose. And it's like, no. Um, you can say a lot of things about Harry. Um He's done a lot of shitty things in the past as well. And he said a lot of shitty things in the past. But um, one thing you can't say is that he is, you know, that he wants to, that he's afraid uh, of his wife being front and center. You know, he's the born royal. So he's supposed to be the one up front and he doesn't mind taking a back seat to her. You know, it's like he realizes she's the she, she's the star here, and um, he didn't mind, but everybody else in the palace did, and so, you know, it's like they, it's like they were set up for failure, though. Um, 
to me, it feels like Megan was being set up from the beginning. Um, <clears throat> that people didn't, they didn't want a woman who was already fully formed. I don't think, you know, they wanted a Kate who was, you know, a teenager, I think, or maybe early 20s when she met William. And she basically spent 10 years with him before they got married. She spent, you know, they were together for such a long time. And she was basically molded by them um, into what they needed. <clears throat> She's not, uh, she was not like Diana, you know, she... Like I said, Kate is just more quiet and demure. And so she could be what they whatever they wanted. And I'm I'm, you know, there's a lot of mean things being said about Kate on Twitter. Uh she's getting dragged left and right. They they calling her Karen Middleton, which, you know, um <laughs> uh kind of funny, but uh so or they or royal Karen they call they call her too. Um, that's so that's okay. That was that's funny. It's kind of funny. Um, but there's some a lot of mean things being said about her, and I just want to say I don't hate Kate. Um, I do think like I like her. I, I've I've liked her in the past. Um, and it's clear that she and Megan were never friends. But I never I don't get the feeling that they were ever enemies either um you know I could be wrong but and you know for Megan you know Megan said it you know you don't have to hate Kate in order to love her and you don't have to hate Megan in order to love Kate these two women can exist and you can like whoever you want and you know you can all go your separate ways and so like I was I was saying earlier, I don't think Megan was trying to be catty or to throw or to like low key throw Kate under the bus because I think she was you could tell she was reluctant to even talk about um, to she didn't even you know, she didn't even start out by trying to by saying that Kate um, is the one that made her cry. You know, it felt like she was trying to avoid saying that, but just the line of questioning sort of forced her into it. Um, and so she said, you know, the reverse happened. Kate made her cry and it was about something, the bridesmaids dresses and not being supportive during a time when, you know, things were really bad with her father before the wedding. And she said, Kate apologized and she sent her flowers and she thinks that Kate is a good person. And so I'm going to take Megan at her word in that. I'm not going to try to, I'm not, I don't want to project onto her, um, my own feelings um, about white women and, you know, white women's tears and all that. <clears throat> so, you know, I don't know whether Kate was a part of the, the smear campaign of Megan um, or whether, like Megan said, maybe Kate was in the same position that she was and Kate didn't have the ability to speak out. Um, whichever side you fall on, there's no doubt that Kate is the one that benefited most from the, the smear campaign of Megan. So whether she was in on it or not, she still benefited. And I don't know what you do with that though. I don't know like where you go from there because <clears throat> I don't know. I do think there is a possibility that 
that Kate it was or is in the same position that Megan was in, where she is silenced, um, where she, you know, she's not a born royal either. She, she, they still la- <laughs> the the people in society, um, you know that that arist- uh, aristocratic society still laugh at her, still make fun of her family, um, still make fun of her mother. So, you know, and obviously that is not the same as racism, but I'm just saying that to say that she has reached a level in society. She is the mother of a future king and she is still getting shit on (laughs) by, um, by them. You know, she, there's a, a, there's, she's reached as high as she can go. She's not going to be accepted by them either. It's just that she's British and her husband is going to be king. She's the mother of a, of a future king. So she sort of is where she is. Um, and she was always going to be the... She was always going to come out on top in this situation because she is never going to leave that family or her husband. Um, you know, she she is just... She's... <laughs> you know... I, she's stuck like harry said she's stuck in her situation as well and who knows whether she's happy Mm. you know i know some people probably think well too bad for her that's what she chose and you know i don't know i don't know there's not much to say about kate and they didn't even talk about kate that much in in the interview it was just that little part about um her making uh megan cry and Oh, and there was the clip. You know, some one of the things that I wished I, I wish the clips that they um, that Oprah showed the the next day, I wish those were in the actual interview because the one where Megan um, talks about how she was being told that all of the everybody has been through the the media thing, you know, just you know just you just have to accept it it you know move on keep moving blah 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 um stiff upper stiff upper lip and all that and she was saying how kate got the weighty katie thing and that was rude and it was wrong and she you know she was saying like that must have felt really horrible to her but rudeness and racism is not the same thing and i feel like that needed to be in the episode because there's a way you can talk about how sexist it was for them to invent that name for Kate, you know, calling her weighty Katie and um, how she was just waiting around to marry William and <clears throat> sort of reducing her to that. You know, we can talk about how wrong that was, but being having, you know, that said about you is very different than having a bunch of racist headlines all the time. Um, and just an undercurrent of racism thrown at you at all times um, in the press. So, you know, and it's like, yeah, that needed to be in the episode. I think more people needed to see that um, live in the episode. And frankly, they could have took taken out all the, you know, the whole Ariel thing. Because, God, I love Megan. But, ugh, I just, I the, the whole Little Mermaid um, steal your voice thing is like a little too cutesy for me. Um, they could have also taken the whole um, rescue chicken part because 
sorry, I didn't care about that. <laughs> Archie is very cute, um, uh, you know, but they could have just showed me a picture and I would have been fine. I didn't need the whole Archie's chicken and all that. I'm, I'm, I just, I don't care. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a mean person. I'm a bad person. Um, I'm a grumpy old man. I, <laughs> I'm a grumpy old man and a 30 something body and a 30 something woman's body. Um, I just, I did not care about, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't care about it. I didn't care. Um, oh, I feel like I'm missing out on so much just going off on all of this other stuff. So, uh, and I actually did take notes, the racism, we had to talk about the, the, the sort of outrage from people, um, in England, that Megan um, and Harry dared to call the British royal family racist. And it's like, wait a second. I thought we all agreed. I'm looking around. I'm like, I thought we all agreed. <laughs> we all knew that those motherfuckers were racist. Like, how is this? Um, and I've been, li- I listened to a few podcasts and it's like, um, the people who are like, I, you know, I just can't believe that they was, they would say that they wouldn't say a name you know, how can you just throw out a claim of racism that just that implicates the entire family? And it's like, well, I mean, your institution is built on racism and colonialism. But even beyond that, every single man in that family currently that um, that you can name has said or done something that's racist, including Harry. Um, so. Like we're like what's how are we even surprised about this? How how and it's like it's sort of a no win situation as well because if they had said that um who called them racist, it was like it was either William or Charles. Um, because they they made it clear the next day, Harry made it clear to Oprah, like it wasn't my grandmother or my grandfather because everybody thought it was Prince Philip. I like to say once again that I said it wasn't Prince Philip. Um, as soon as everybody started saying Prince Philip, I was like, nope, not Prince Philip. Not this time. Sorry, folks. It was not Prince Philip. Um, not that Prince Philip wasn't saying thing, um, racist things behind closed doors because I'm sure he was, but that, that comment was not a Prince Philip comment. That was either William or Charles and my money is on William, but whatever. So anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh yeah. So it's like, you've all said and done racist things like why would why wouldn't people think that you're racist um Megan is the first person of color that is married into that family um you're a lily white family like you you're so white that some generations the queen and her uh, and her husband are cousins that's how white you want it to stay so um like come on people just the outrage that you could dare that you would dare say that that family that somebody in that family or the family itself might be racist it's like completely ridiculous to me how many people of color work there how many black people work within the palace how many black people have charles has has buckingham palace clarence house or kensington palace hired over the last few years that don't that aren't like a cook or a housekeeper or somebody that takes care of the horses. How many people of color or, you know, black people um, specifically are in positions of power over there? Every time I turn around, 
<clears throat> they're hiring one of them. One of those um, palaces are hiring um, a white man. So don't tell me that you don't have a problem with diversity. Like Charles, Charles gives lip service to that. You know, he, <laughs> this week he was uh, seen with black people. Um, he spoke to black people, um, you know, in order to prove he's not, you know, just disgusted and unwilling to stand around um, black people. He walked Megan down the aisle, um, which was nice at the time. <clears throat> he also, um, he was also the one that, that contacted the kingdom choir, the black choir that sung um, at the wedding, which is also a nice thing. But all of these things are very public and they're all things Charles can do to so he can puff his chest out and say look at me look how diverse I'm being meanwhile there was he he hired a black woman <clears throat> a few years ago the woman wound up in the end following a claim of racism um because she was being singled out and she wound up without a job and the person that she accused of discriminating against her was giving given um was was uh given another position um a better position by Charles so you know like these are this is like I don't know like be outraged about the racism all you want but don't don't tell me that it's not there's there's not racism over there um when another thing that happened this week is um <clears throat> in the paper when they're talking about how not racist there are they are when you know the palace is leaking to the paper about how you know Megan is pretending to be a victim and um you know there's no racism over there <laughs> in Buckingham Palace because they they the one black person that they hired they they um they sent him to work with Megan so like they gave her help you know it's like the one black person we know we assigned him to her and you know she still couldn't get along so look look it's her fault look how bad it is look how bad she is she didn't take uh, the advice of the other black person we know over here and it's like come on like stop it just come on oh, I just I really just everything about them is they're so awful and there people they're so bad at their jobs everybody over there they're just so mediocre um and it's like Megan girl you're better than them you're so much smarter than them I think that was another problem that Megan is really intelligent and the family is really not um it's like sorry you guys but I mean it's no <laughs> it's no secret that the women um <clears throat> who marry into the family are a lot smarter than those um, those blood royals that everybody uh, puts up on a pedestal. Um, you know, Camilla, Megan, Kate, all much smarter than than their spouses. I mean, it's not even. Uh, and you know, like the one thing that that a lot of people say is nobody ever accused the Windsors of being intelligent like that. That's like, that's the the one thing that that gets said a, a lot uh, by people who are around them. Like nobody ever accused the Windsors of being smart. So, uh, anyway, <clears throat> Megan much too smart for them. But 
one thing that was clear in the interview that I think a lot of people have to come to terms with is that Meghan and Harry are not anti-monarchy. They were not trying to take down the family, no matter how much um, the British press would have you think that. Um, and for as much as Harry spoke about not wanting to, wanting to, about wanting to leave the um, the family or wanting to lead a different life, he did not. He was not actually wanting to leave. You know, he wanted to find a way to continue to work within the family. Um, and that's what Megan wanted as well. Um, so their goal, I don't think, was to try to take down the family. They, they both said that they would still be there if they had gotten any support. Um, I also, and this is just my opinion, get the feeling that maybe that before all of this happened... <clears throat> that at any point if the fam the family had showed any support toward them had supported Megan in any way um that they would have gone back that the one year review um could have been a chance for them to actually go back um so yeah but that's just my opinion you know i don't know that and so yeah <clears throat> Um, what else do I want to talk about? Oh, Megan and her suicidal ideation. So Megan was talking about how things had gotten so bad. She had been so cut off from the world. And, um, she said when she got there, they took her keys, her passport, her driver's license. And she, she basically was, it's basically living the life of like a prisoner in a gilded cage, um, Diana has spoken about that in the past, how lonely and isolating that life was. Um, and if that, if it was that way for Diana, <clears throat> Diana, who is from England, who, you know, had friends there, who had family there, if it was that isolating for her, I can't even imagine what, like, it had to be like so much worse for Megan, who, doesn't have any family over there. <clears throat> she had a few friends over there, but um, her nearest and dearest are in the States. Um, you know, her all of her family or all of her, most of her friends outside of Harry um, <clears throat> are in the States. And, you know, she was saying that she was, she basically had to ask for permission to do everything. And I know a lot of people just don't get it when she was saying, when she was talking about um, having her her um, passport and license and keys taken away from her. Everybody's sort of so literal about it. And it's like, well, that was for security reasons. And I'm like, I'm sure she understands it was for security reasons. But the point was that she's not free to do anything herself. Um, she wanted to go to lunch with her friends and she was told that, um, she was just, she couldn't do it. She was just way too visible. Um, so someone in the family, another woman in the family told her that she needed to, you know, lay low because she's just way too exposed. And she said it had been four, it had been four months and she had only four months and she had only left the house twice. So 
And she explains it like she's everywhere and she's nowhere. And it's like, what kind of life is that for a person? Um, and how does nobody in the palace understand that? I mean, how is nobody sensitive to that at all? It's like, come on. She, she's in a new country. She can't spend 24-7 with Harry. Um, they both have to work. And from the sounds of it, they weren't allowing her to work as much as she wanted to either. So it's just this really sucky life <laughs> that she's living. Um, <clears throat> and then when she does go, when she, and I know a lot of people were like, well, she went to New York for her, her baby shower. And it's like, she went to New York for her baby shower and she only got three days before the palace because you know it was the palace leaked her um her location so then she was hounded by the press there and it's like <sighs> she's just being criticized front and back she, there's like there was nothing she could do without being criticized for it it's like you know don't go out they're telling you not to go out she's like well I haven't gone out um <laughs> She the ones when she does go out, they leak her location and then criticize her for uh, being where she is. And it's like just she could she could do nothing right in the eyes of those people. And it's and it's no wonder like she was, you know, she was falling into depression and it broke my heart when she was saying that it got so bad um, during her pregnancy, during a time when. You know, she her first child. She should be excited and and happy. Um, and the only discomfort should be the fact that she was like, she's such a tiny woman, and she had a, she was just carrying a giant baby. Um, but no, it's like she wasn't even allowed to enjoy that. She wasn't allowed to be happy. Um, her pregnancy was used against her. I remember articles being written. <clears throat> by people not just about the whole holding of the baby bump but articles being written um basically like how dare she get pregnant when I can't be pregnant you know there were articles like that written by white women um like she was <laughs> like she was she was accused of flaunting her pregnancy um uh it's like oh my god she just could do nothing and she was um she was saying the the night that she wore that beautiful sequin rolling moray gown that everybody you know really loved and she looked really beautiful um that that was the night that she told harry um that she was having suicidal thoughts and that she that she basically had to go to that Cirque du, to, du Soleil performance because um she was afraid what she might do if she was if she stayed home alone and it's like how could you do that to that woman like I don't care if you don't like her how could you do that to anybody like what has she done to deserve the vitriol that's being that's being poured into her like I don't understand like she hasn't done anything um you know, I don't. You don't have to agree with every decision that she's made. You don't, have, or, or that she and Harry have made. You don't have to think that everything that she did is right. I'm not trying to tell you that Megan is perfect, but I just don't. She has not done anything to deserve 
the amount of criticism and just hatred being directed at her. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just, she, she hasn't done anything to deserve any of this. Um, and so I'm going on an hour. I want to get, um, I want to get done with this at some point. Um, the response. Okay. So the palace took two days to respond and Queen Elizabeth, um, released a statement. There was supposedly another statement that was already prepared like the day after, but she refused to sign it and she released this new one instead where, oh my God, I don't have it in front of me and I don't have my phone with me, so I can't, I can't read it right now, but it was, you know, basically how they didn't know how difficult the last few years have been for Megan and Harry. And I, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm like, and me, I hear that and I'm like, nope, liar, liar, liar. She's a liar. <laughs> you, there's no way you didn't know. Um, Megan and Harry did that Africa documentary when they did their final um, tour. So, and where they spoke, where Megan spoke about how difficult things were for her, how nobody had asked her how she was doing, um, if she was, nobody asked her if she was okay. So, yeah, you knew how bad it was. You knew it was, ter it, things were going really bad for her. Um, you also knew because Harry said that they had been talking about, um, they had been talking about, uh, them stepping back for months at that point. So they definitely knew. And even now, um, journalists are, you know, saying, um, the one Valentine Lowe has, uh, said the Valentine Lowe works for the Sunday times for the, yeah, the times of London. And he's the one that's been writing all the stories about Megan, the bully. And he said on a podcast the other day that he knew that Megan went to um, human resources, that she was struggling and that she needed help. So do not tell me that you didn't know. The family didn't know. Anyway, <clears throat> tell me, you can tell me a lot of things. You cannot tell me that uh, that family didn't know. <clears throat> Especially since after the Africa documentary, uh, the things that were uh, supposedly that were said by someone at uh, Kensington Palace speaking for Prince William or, or maybe it was even Prince William himself who said to someone in the media that he could no longer embrace his brother. Um, and then the palace started leaking things about calling Harry basically mentally weak and um, making light of his mental health issues. So it's like... <laughs> Yeah, you knew, you just didn't care. Um, and I will always believe that at a certain point, they were hoping that Megan would just leave. <clears throat> you know, I know oh, I know. there's some people in the Sussex squad who think that they were trying to kill Megan. Um, you know, I won't go that far. <clears throat> I don't think they care whether she died or not. Um... I think that, but I think that either way, they were hoping that, they were hoping that she wouldn't be around anymore. I think what they didn't take into account that was that Harry would actually leave with her. I don't think they took Harry seriously. I think that's part of the problem. Um, he is, he said, and even um, during that original statement they made after the Sussexes um, said that they were stepping back, 
um, they admitted that there had been months of talks between them um, about Harry and Meghan's roles. So they they knew that Harry and Meghan wanted to uh, needed help, wanted to change things, wanted to do something different, and so I think they were hoping that some way somehow Megan would eventually be removed from the picture and they could just you know they could have their their the harry that they want the the harry that's by himself the harry that's the third um you know the third person in to um the cambridges you know he could he could continue to be just the third uh the third cambridge basically um so and eventually one day he would marry he could marry you know some woman have a couple of kids and be, be the prince andrew to william's prince charles um and everybody would have been happy with that but Harry left too. <laughs> Harry took Harry took his wife and his kid and he said, "Okay, deuces." And he left. And that made them even more upset because they didn't want Harry to leave. They still want Harry back. If you look um over the past year, <clears throat> you read some of the articles that have been um you know, in the tab in the British tabloids and the Sun and the in the Daily Mail, um there's a definite they you and if when they first started, it was a, an undertone of, you know, they an undertone of them hinting that they want Harry back. And then as they got closer to the one year, um, people um, were basically saying, yeah, we want Harry back. <laughs> there were basically articles saying, you know, there, they, there's a path for Harry to come back. Harry, come back. Please, Harry, come back to us. Um so yeah, oh my god. I'm sorry. My cat is making a ton of noise. She's in a pla- she's in a paper bag now. She loves paper bags now. Ugh. I'm sorry if you hear the crunching and this the the noise in the background. Um so yeah, they want Harry back. They still want Harry back and they still see Megan as the problem. <clears throat> um the one who stole their their prince away. Uh and I, I, I used to think that was just something that was coming from the media, but I feel like that's coming from the palace as well. You know, this idea that um, Megan has bewitched Harry and she has stolen him away from his family. And it's like, no, that is not what happened. Harry is a whole ass adult right now making his own decisions. You know, I don't think that Megan's that good uh, <laughs> to make, to you know, steal this man away from his family if, if he really wanted to be there um, or if he really thought it was possible to be there. So, yeah, like, ugh, just the whole narrative around, you know, Harry, that they treat Harry as this sort of, uh, and, you know, I just said that the Windsors weren't very smart, and they're not. Um, but I don't think that Harry is like some idiot that is just being led around, um, by this woman who's manipulating him and it's like that's just such a just it's a horrible narrative and I'm, I'm just like it's unacceptable and 
just ugh, stop it. Um, so what else? The titles. Oh yeah. So Megan spoke about you know Archie being denied um the title of prince and his royal highness, um and how these talks were ha- happening around the time the same t- the same time during her pregnancy as when the um the comment about Archie's skin color was made, and. <clears throat> I think there's just there's a lot of confusion around this and there's like people trying to refute it and it's like they there are some suggestions that she's lying I'm like okay I don't think Megan knows that much about um the the you know the the way titles and stuff work so um I don't think she's you know she's some mastermind out here making this part up I do believe that somebody talked to her about this I want to know why they were talking to her about this though because um like during her pregnancy you just I don't understand why this would even be brought up to her um and you'd think that you know because I thought Okay, so the the thing about um, Prince Charles slimming down the monarchy has been this rumor out there for a long time. I don't know whether Charles has ever said this himself, um, but that it, that it has sort of been the the thing floating through the media for a very long time is that when Charles becomes king, he wants a slim down monarchy, um, which means that you know his his cousins and all of his siblings um won't be working the way the way the they were during the queen's um uh when the queen was was growing up you know she all of her cousins she had a million cousins they were all working royals at some point um and so charles wouldn't be doing that so his nieces um <clears throat> His nieces, uh, the uh, Beatrice and Eugenie, uh, won't be working royals. Um, I assume that um, Princess Anne would have been the only working royal of his siblings. That you know he would eventually phase out the the Wessexes, and um, you know Prince Andrew is not. <laughs> he's phased himself out right now um, because he's trash. And um, so it would only have been Charles, Camilla, William, Catherine, Harry, and whoever Harry married. Um, Turned out the person that Harry married was Meghan. And so, um, you know, that was going to be the working royals moving forward until the Cambridges, the Cambridge kids, um, became adults and you know harry there's no expectation that harry's children would ever be working royals which fine but the idea that you wouldn't give the harry's children wouldn't get titles um this is another situation where it looks bad um and the fact that nobody there could see that is like i just i don't get it so what Megan was saying that she was being told that 
um, Archie wouldn't get a title. At, at first, there was so apparently there was ongoing dis- discussions about whether the Queen would sign another letters patent to in order to make um, Archie um, a prince in HRH when he was born. Um, and these were just, I, I guess, according to Megan and, and Harry, these were just ongoing conversations about what would happen once he was born. And then eventually she was told that he wouldn't be made a prince. Um, and, the, he, you know, the queen wouldn't sign a letters patent and that um, he would never be a prince, even once Charles becomes king, because uh, once Charles ascends to the throne, um, Archie would automatically become his royal highness, Prince Archie of Sussex. Um, but what Megan is saying is that he planned to change the rule in order for that not to even happen. Um, now, <clears throat> There's been a lot of talk about this because um, they thought that Megan was saying that she expected Archie to be a prince um, when he was born and that she didn't know the rules and basically just kind of calling her stupid and ignorant. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Um, No, Archie was not entitled to become a prince when he was born. Um, Flat out. He was not he's not entitled to that. Um, the only one that the only uh, one that was actually entitled to it was Prince George when he was born um, because he is the heir because he's the son of the heir. He's the son of William. Um, he's William's first child um, and he is the eventual heir to the throne. Um, if the queen didn't sign the letters patent back in 2012, the other two children, Charlotte and and um, what's that little boy's name? Uh, Louis, Prince Louis, would not have been prince and princess, his and her royal highness either. Um, the queen just made it so that all three of William's children, all of William's children, when they're born, they would just automatically be given their titles since they are going to be the, those anyway. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't do that for Harry's children as well. And once Harry married a black woman, the first person of color to marry into that family. And they're going to have the first um, black children born into the British Royal family, the first blood Royals, the first people of color who are blood Royals um, born into that family. I don't think there was any way that you could not give those children titles and not have people see that as, um, being racist and exclusionary to the to the first people of color born to the family it's like how don't how is that not in the front of your mind once you let harry marry uh, a black woman <clears throat> a biracial woman um then you know a lot of things had to change for them for the optics but it seems like they just were they were not willing or prepared to do that they were not prepared to do any of that and it's like you look racist because you have been acting racist. You know, this is your fault. This is not Megan's fault for not falling into line. This is your fault for not being willing to adjust at all. 
Um, so yeah, and also connected to the titles. Um, I don't see. I've never heard this. Um, but they were telling Megan connected to the title to him not getting a title meant that Archie would also not get royal protection. Um, and so it's like. <laughs> I'm guessing that from what we know about just the threats that Megan and Harry are getting, there's a lot of threat. They're getting a lot of death threats, a lot of racist death threats. So to not protect that little boy is just really like crazy to me. There's a higher threat to him. I I'm, I'm assuming than to the Cambridge kids. Um, And so I don't get why they they're they're throwing up such a fuss about you know the titles and the security because I'm like the Slimdale monarchy has already happened the second that Charles only had two children. You know, it's like Charles has two children and he's about to have five grandchildren. If um William and Catherine don't have any more children, it's just going to be those five children. Um so like, I don't think it's going to expand the monarchy so much in order to make Harry's children princes and princesses. Um, and it's like, no, there's no expectation that those kids, Harry's children would ever be working royals anyway. So it's like, come on. You just, the optics of it, just the optics, come on. And you know, you can keep talking about how Charles went to slim down a monarchy. It's like, who cares what he wanted to do? This is how it looks now. This is how, you know, this is how it's going to look to people, to non-white people. Um, and it's like, you're trying to appeal to the Commonwealth, who is like majority black and people of color, um, by excluding the people of color and <laughs> that are born into your family? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Mm. If you think you can do that, you think you can get away with that. It's like maybe somebody can. Charles can't. Charles needs all the goodwill he can get because it's not looking good for uh, him once he becomes king. It's not looking good for the monarchy once he becomes king. Um. So, yeah, I mean, that's the titles issue. But I mean, I don't the titles don't <laughs> it doesn't matter now. They're out of their, you know, they've stepped back. Um, the, the other thing is that <clears throat> the whole titles issue, when they announced that Archie wouldn't be using, not only had the queen not signed the letters patent. Okay. I guess people expected that, whatever. They announced that Archie wouldn't be using his courtesy title either. So right now <clears throat> he should be styled the son of a duke um and he would be using harry's he should be using harry's secondary title so technically right now archie is um lord dumbarton he's the um the earl of Dim <coughs> harry's secondary title is the earl of dumbarton so he should be known as uh the earl of Dim he's technically the earl of dumbarton right now archie is um but they decided that he would just be master archie you know, Mountbatten Windsor. So um, they decided not to use his secondary title. And during that time, the narrative put out there, once we found out that he wouldn't be using the secondary title, was that Harry and Meghan had decided not to 
they didn't want Archie to have a title at all and that they wanted to raise him as a private citizen. Um, and and um, so the narrative in the paper was that Harry and Meghan were going against tradition. They were once again doing their own thing. Um, they don't care about the royal tradition and Meghan is just trying to be different from Kate. She just, she's trying so hard to change the monarchy. And then you find out that, no, that's not what happened at all. Um, Harry and Meghan didn't turn those down. You know, according to Meghan, those things weren't their decision. You know, that wasn't their decision to make. All of these things were made for them. Now, I assume that they chose not to not to call him the Earl of the Barton and they chose to just call him, you know, Master Archie. <clears throat> but, um, so, you know, I think they, they got the chance to choose that, but, um, you know, they weren't choosing not to give, not to ever have Archie have a title because, you know, Megan said she, she sees it as his birthright, you know, and that, um, it's his decision. It should be his decision to turn it down in the future now, I know a lot of people are going to bring up Prince Edward and how he um, he chose not to give his children royal titles, even though they're the grand they're also the grandchildren of the sovereign. Um, and it's like, yeah, they said he chose not to do that, he, not to give his children royal titles. But I don't think that he actually chose not to give his children royal titles. I think that's another situation where he was told, um, yeah, in order to have, you know, the slim down monarchy that Charles wanted, um, the queen has four children. Um, Prince, Char Prince Charles is the oldest. His kids are automatic or, you know, there's no question that his kids were automatically going to be um, HRHs and princes. Um, Prince Andrew was the spare at the time. Um, so of course his children, he was going to, his children were going to get, you know, the princess title and the HRH princess Anne, who people have also like this false narrative that princess Anne refused to give her children titles is often put out in the media. No princess Anne's children were not, were never going to get a title. They are not like Archie. It's not the same situation. Um, Princess Anne, because she's a woman, she cannot pass down titles the way um, titles are passed down through men. So she, her children were never going to get an HRH title. The most they could have gotten was to be, um, the queen could have bestowed on her husband at the time. Um, I, I forget what his name is. Cap something Phillips. Um, Captain Phillips, Captain some Peter Phillips, I forget. No, Peter Phillips is the, is the, is the son, whatever his name, her son, her, her husband at the time, the Phillips guy, um, the queen could have given him a title. Um, so she could have like made him an Earl or something like that. And then, um, Zara and Peter would have been titled the children of Earls, but they were never the children of an Earl but they were never going to get an HRH title. They could never be princes, prince or princess or um, HRH because those titles can't be passed down through women. Um, so yeah, Princess Anne's children were never going to be, <clears throat> were never going to get royal titles. Um, you know, the way the, the way the male children were going to get them. 
Um, and then with Prince, with Prince Edward, when he finally had his two children, um, he was made an earl when his brothers were made dukes. And so the other thing they decided to do with Prince Edward, the, the other thing that's supposedly going to happen, I don't know if this is actually true, but I mean, I guess we'll see when Prince Philip dies. Uh, it won't be that long. Um, is that when Prince Philip dies, Edward will inherit the, um, the Duke of Edinburgh title. And so then, you know, the, that's what, you know, that's how it'll be. He'll be the Duke of Edinburgh. Uh, they'll be the, the Wessexes will go to being the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh. And, um, you know, nothing's going to change with the children, though, because I, I don't think that I mean, technically, I guess they they the children could decide, but they won't like Charles is not going to let that happen. So, um, yeah, they are who they are. You know, Lady Lady Louise and uh, Viscount Severn is the, the little boy. Uh, so yeah, that's how that works. <clears throat> and so the fact that they would deny, they wanted to deny security to like these high security risk people. And um, it's just, it's so terrible. You know, Harry said that once they moved, they, they went to Canada, um, they were still trying to work things out. They were immediately cut off in the first quarter of 2020 and security was taken away. And it just seems so like vindictive the palace was you know charles or whether you think it's charles or the queen the fact that they were so vindictive as to you know stop their security before they could make arrangements for something new and then someone from the palace had already released their location so you have um the british tabloids and tabloids from around the world descending on this place um, where they're saying right before there's a lockdown because there's a freaking pandemic and Tyler Perry Medea had to step in to save to save this little family and it's like oh my goodness oh my goodness Charles Prince Charles come on now this episode is getting long so I'm going to stop this in a second I'm going to an hour and a half just babbling by myself um what I what I'll say in order so so I can end this um um this interview is getting compared to the Princess Diana 1995 panorama or panoramic I forget which one pandemic um interview <clears throat> and while they are similar um Diana's problem was that Charles was having an affair. You know, what she went on there to talk about was basically her bad marriage. Um, and obviously she spoke about some other things, that, you know, the isolation and all that. She spoke about how bad things were for her um, and how, but the crux of it was just her telling her side of, this story of how she was in a bad marriage and when she made the famous comment about how there were, you know, three people in their marriage. Um, what Megan and Harry were talking about was racism and abuse. Um, you know, this is not just about Charles being a bad husband. It's about 
well, him being a bad father and a bad grandfather now, but just how the institution is just abusive and just not prepared to help the women who marry into that family. Um, Or not prepared or not willing to help the women who marry into that family. Um, And I just think this interview won't take down the monarchy just like you know Diana's interview didn't take down the monarchy but I do think it it is chipping away at it and that Charles was already going to have problems when the queen died <clears throat> he was already going to have a a huge uphill battle because you know I know a lot of I know some people were upset that the Harry and Meghan were so deferential to the queen and they were so kind to her, but there was no, there's no winning the battle against the queen. You're, I don't care what they said about her. She's a 94 year old woman who's been sovereign for what? 70 years. She's the longest reigning sovereign in, um, and, in, in British history at this point, she's 94 or 95 years old. She'll be, or maybe she'll be 95 this year. I forget. The woman is in her late 90s. Um, and she's sort of collectively the country's grandmother or great-grandmother. She's beloved. There is no way you could, you're could you going to win against her. So trashing her does does you no, no good, does you more harm than good. There's You can't win that battle. And so when she dies, it is going to be... Um, is going to be disaster for them. Like, I don't know what they're going to do when she dies. And then to have the person that's coming up behind her be Charles, a person who, um, who yes, is more popular than he was um, in the past. Like, Charles has really built up his popularity. Um, and so has, you know, he's helped build himself and Camilla back up. Um, but he's never going to be they're never going to love him that much. He doesn't have enough time for that. He, it, you know, it's too late for him to be beloved. And so the, all of his past transgressions are going to come up and it's going this, you know, the fact that at a at you know, Harry says in his interview that um, Charles stopped taking his phone calls at a certain point. Um, the one thing that 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 Charles has been trying to do is is t- in order to repair his you know shattered reputation is to fall back on him himself as the loving father you know um ooh and it's to I'm sorry I'm reading notifications <laughs> um you know he's he's been trying to present himself as the loving father for a long time you know and how William and Harry you know love their pa and their pa is just you know he loves them and he's he was a single parent for a long time and you know just how he's been trying that's when he would that's one of the things he's been trying to live on for a while now in order to build himself back up and so that shattered a bit when Harry says you know how 
just not great their relationship is and the fact that you know charles stopped taking his phone calls you know and especially stopped taking since he stopped taking his phone calls when harry was like in crisis so prince charles is the one that suffered the most um from this interview and it's going to be interesting to see if he can like how this is going to affect things in the future because you know i i really don't expect this to be to to have um an effect on the monarchy a real effect on the monarchy until after the queen dies because it's going to be one of those things where charles needs he needs his sons in order to make him look good. Um, and I don't think, you know, maybe William and Catherine will be enough. But I think having Harry there, having Harry um, and his family there also to prop Charles up would have looked better. Now it's like you've got <laughs> Charles only has two children Um and to have one of those children be out of the picture when he becomes king is going to be a tough look for him. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. You know, nobody listening to this probably cares about what the monarchy does. And I know a ton of people are probably listening like uh, down with the monarchy, burn all that shit down. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. You guys, this is it. Uh, this is an hour and a half. I'm so sorry for talking so long. Um, I hope it's not too boring for you. I can't, I don't, I'm not going to make any promises about when I'm coming back, but you know, I'll do another episode because there's some interesting things going on right now um, around the monarchy, around this interview. So we'll see. We'll see what happens coming up. So... Until the next episode, good night, good luck, everybody.